0: You're listening to At Home, the podcast with Walkie MC. Each week, our team at Walkerusa Missionary Church invites you to join us for a conversation around the topics that shape our lives at home and beyond. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the studio here in beautiful downtown Waukerusa. We've never started like that before, but I thought what a nice way to kick it off today. Beautiful downtown Waukerusa. Beautiful because it's spring. Uh, sitting around the table here today is Brant and I and our regular here, our executive leader. What we're missing today is Angie Brenneman, our family ministry pastor. She is on a beach somewhere in Florida, Florida. Mm-hmm. Living in the sun. And uh, i kind of jealous about that, not going to lie.
1: Nice, Angie. Must be nice.
0: Sitting in for Angie today is Tyler Gehrig. He is our student ministry pastor here. And it's one of those opportunities that we have to have a new face, a new voice behind the microphone. And so, Tyler, we're glad that you're here Happy to be today. Here. Definitely. Guys, Angie. Uh, well, Angie is sitting on a beach somewhere. Uh, let's talk spring break for a minute because now that I'm an empty nester, I almost forget spring break even happens, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Uh, if you could be anywhere other than beautiful downtown
2: Wakarusa today, where would you be? Dude, I'd be somewhere down in the south fishing. Fishing? Oh, dude, mm-hmm. so many spring break trips that I remember going down to Florida, fishing in the ocean with my dad. What's the biggest fish you've ever caught, Tyler? The biggest fish I've ever caught?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Probably a sp- maybe a Spanish mackerel. Yeah. We all know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Spanish, <laughs> Spanish mackerel. ones. Yeah. Spanish those mackerel. are really good ones. <laughs> it's maybe it's only maybe like three feet long okay. about, about there. Yeah. But, no, that's yeah. not very big. honestly. Yeah. Uh, it's not crazy. <laughs> uh, it,
1: you know, honestly, we didn't go on a ton of vacations when I was growing up. So like, I think of one of my favorite vacations was probably when Francine and I got married and we went to Cancun, Mexico. Cause that was honestly the first time I've been to the ocean And I specifically remember her like sunbathing on the beach and just enjoying like, you know, whatever kind of drink she was drinking. And like it was non-alcoholic. I'll just, I'll preface that. But like just sunbathing and enjoying herself. And I was like a little kid just Playing in the ocean. I remember there's like a fish coming at me with a wave, and I was trying to catch that fish. And <laughs> when I got back, Francie was like, Did you have fun? Because it kind of was embarrassing watching <laughs> you out there by yourself <laughs> playing in the ocean. So, like, I guess if I could be anywhere but here right now, it'd probably be playing in the ocean in Cancun.
2: I feel like you're that dad. I'm totally that. That, dad. like, you pack sand toys for your kids but you're the one who ends up building a castle no i don't build castles i dig the biggest hole oh that's (laughs) That's who i am and then all
1: the other kids try to come and play in it and i'm like sorry this is our hole stay (laughs) out of my sand pit step aside step
0: aside you know if i was anywhere I, i i love the beach but i'll be honest with you uh spring break i don't like the traffic I don't like uh, getting to the beach and then, you know, half your town that you're normally interacting with is at the same beach. It's like, Hey, there's, you know, you see all the Northwood shirts on the same beach. It's kind of wild. Well, today uh, we're going to pick up this topic back to the sermon series that we've been in uh, for this Easter series, taking a look through the book of Matthew as it walks us through the Easter story. And the reason we started this series was really to remind ourselves of the struggle, the stress that Jesus went through to get to Easter. We often want to just stop at Easter and celebrate the goodness of the empty tomb. We often want to just celebrate, you know, uh, the, the resurrection and the hope that we have, but we forget the pain. We get forget the suffering too often. And I just wanted Matthew 26 to do the reading uh, through this series, and I wanted Matthew 27. And so on Sunday, we just kind of walked through Matthew 27. Uh, Let's jump in here just a little bit. So we, we go back to Matthew 27, and we picked up the sermon series uh, starting in verse eleven and, and and this is where jesus is standing before Pilate. Now Jesus had already been through these little hocus pocus the uh, I don't even know why I used that word <laughs> uh, <laughs> trials these hokey maybe that was a hey, hokey yeah. little yeah. <laughs> hocus pocus things. Uh, he had been through this these little trials and, and now he stands himself before Pilate who has the opportunity to really put him on trial. And so there's this, this, this question that Pilate asked Jesus that's always intrigued me. Matthew 27:11 says, Now Jesus was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor. Are you the king of the Jews? The governor asked him. Jesus replied, You have said it. But I also like how John says it. And I brought this up on Sunday. Uh, same storyline, same situation, John's perspective. Pilate, writes, uh, Pilate says, So you are a king. Jesus responded you say I am a king actually I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth all who love truth recognize that what I say is true and Pilate's answer I, I wonder how he said this all right cuz his answer is just this what is truth is it a question is it snarky like what is truth or what is truth like I'm I'm I want to know what is truth nonetheless he Jesus is saying, I've come into this world to testify to the truth. What do you think of when you hear that? Just when I listen to that story,
1: and any time I've read it in the past, I think of the authenticity of Pilate's question. Like I I read it like he's desperate to know what is truth. And and so for me, I think that a lot of our—and you alluded to this on Sunday too, Chris— our world is asking this question. Our society is asking this question. Um, and and I think that, you know, for those who, who actually desire to know the truth, um, you know, they, they will ultimately find their way to Jesus, ultimately. Uh, for those who are trying to find their truth, um, I think that the journey I- to Jesus is... Going to be obviously a bunch of hills and valleys, um, and hopefully they eventually land at Jesus. But when you're seeking your own truth, you're all, you're probably seeking just self gratification and and comfort in so many different ways that you're never gonna you're never gonna end up at Jesus unless you are truly seeking the truth.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when when I read through this, like the historical importance of it, it should not be lost. Like Pilate is asking this question and he's questioning Jesus because typically the way that their their political system worked, you cannot uh you cannot execute a prisoner as a Roman governor unless they are doing something against the Roman Empire itself. Typically they would let people just handle their own so, so usually Herod would be the one uh, to to kind of break this up or dish out the corporal punishment required. And so, um, Pilate, he's like, he's I genuinely think he's trying to get at like, is there gen, gen, genuinely a case mm-hmm. to be made that like this guy truly is this king of the Jews that that we didn't know about from our point of power. Um, yeah somebody, situation. yeah, somebody who's going to start a coup, somebody who's going to overtake. Yeah he's, yeah, he's essentially trying to figure out, is this guy a terrorist in a way? Yeah. Mm. So it's interesting to me that the culture of that day had this custom,
0: and this custom during Passover was to uh, allow one prisoner to be set free. <laughs> kind of, uh, that's just wild to me. Like, yeah. we don't do that. These days, I guess, Monopoly, you know, you get to get out of jail free card. But this was that Passover time year, and they bring uh, before them a, a, a prisoner to be able to be set free. So they have Jesus, and they have another individual. His name was Barabbas. Uh, I think it's interesting that the scripture notes that he was a notorious criminal, a notorious prisoner. Uh, NIV says well-known King James Version says notable somebody who was significant, uh, somebody who would have been recognizable. You know, when we, when you're reading through that story, what kind of things come to your mind when you're picturing Barabbas standing there on the stage and uh, or the stage the the platform yeah. and you're having to make a choice? What do you think of when you see Barabbas?
1: Well, I think that because of Netflix and all the documentaries that are coming out right now, uh, and then in the past year, you know, like for students in and whether or not they should be watching this or not uh as as a former teacher even as a fourth grade teacher i would get students that come in saying did you see that jeffrey dahmer documentary it's like you're nine and ten years old and they're like yeah man that guy whoa so like he would be notorious right yeah and then there's there's one case that was it's just kind of recent um and it's a netflix documentary already i can't remember uh, the guy's name, but if you said it, most people would understand, oh, yeah, yeah, he, you know, murdered his his family. And there's already this this documentary on it, but the case, the trial, like, literally just happened. So when I think of, like, notorious uh, criminals and people who are, are guilty, I think of those, you know, even though some of these cases have happened a while ago, they've chosen to make documentaries of them
2: because the, the crimes are so gruesome. Yeah, it's, I mean totally. That's that's what I would think of just long beard, wild look in his eyes like this guy's crazy, mm-hmm. kind of kind of looking mm-hmm. Guy. yeah I think it's interesting that it doesn't say a whole lot
0: about him other yeah. than he was notorious we look ahead in Acts chapter 3 and we see uh, Paul writing and, and uh, or Peters preaching and uh, talks about the fact that uh, he was a murderer and so we understand that he wasn't just this petty criminal he was actually somebody who really didn't have a whole lot to look forward to other than the crucifixion of himself at some point in time it right. was just a matter of time so yeah. this isn't like hey we're gonna uh, we found a couple guys who just you know said to some bad things and we put him in jail would you like them to go free these are these are this is a bad dude this there's no way this guy gets
1: set free right
0: yeah yeah clearly this guy is looking at life if not the
2: chair of yeah. the day <laughs> absolutely the, the, the chair of the day
0: <laughs> I find it fascinating that um as I read it I, I like to think that pilot hedged his bets yeah a little bit so he's standing, uh, Jesus and Barabbas side by side. And he, in essence, is saying, all right, so pick one here. Which of these two do you want me to release to you? And don't you kind of get the feeling like Pilate is thinking to himself, you're surely not going to let Barabbas go, right? There's no way. There's no way. Yeah. I, I mentioned on Sunday, I did a little comparison. Uh, it would be like being on the playground and uh, it's the the last two guys to be picked on the basketball court, and you got Shaquille O'Neal, or you have our Tyler Garrig.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Who are you choosing?
2: That's a hard pick.
0: It is a hard pick. They got different
2: skill sets. Who's Shaquille O'Neal choosing? I mean, I can dribble between Shaquille O'Neal's legs. Yeah, see, so that's hey, a skill. There you go. <laughs>
1: that's a skill. You're yeah, you can dribble through his legs, but when you get to the basket, what's going to happen? Yeah, we don't talk about, about
2: that make? part.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's fascinating to me that, that there's this choice and I think Pilate's sitting here saying, no way, there's no way you're going to choose Barabbas and, and they start pitching a fit. We want this to be the case. So when we're talking about Barabbas, uh, do you find it fascinating? Do you guys, do you guys catch in the, in the, in the other translations that Barabbas had a first name Isn't that kind of wild. Yeah. That's crazy. Jesus. Right. Yeah. And Barabbas simply means son of the father. Barabbas, son of the father. Jesus, son of the father. Mm. Both comparison. I mean, I, I think that's not a coincidence to be lost. You have these two guys. They're polar opposites in character, yeah. and yet they have very similar names, and they're both referred to as son of the father. Um, Barabbas, son of the small f father. Jesus, the Christ, son of the living God, the mm. father, capital F. The, the, the comparisons are, are staggering to me. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's like you look at their rap sheets, like it, you have the same exact names, but when you look at their rap sheets, it should be a pretty pretty obvious choice. You know, you got the guy who's been teaching about the coming kingdom of God, who has been healing blind people, lepers, all these sick people performing miracles left, right, and center. Um, and then you got a guy that's that's murdering people. And it's interesting in, in, in different uh, Gospels the way that they talk about how this this story goes. Matthew is the most drawn out of these stories where he goes into detail about it. But it's almost, it's almost just a throwaway line for some of these Gospels. I think John might be the only one who doesn't mention Barabbas. But when you look into the text like this, uh, when somebody is named, it is meant to be something you never overlook. So that importance of being known as the son of the father is wildly important beyond what we can imagine when we read into that text. And we were talking about this before. What's interesting about this story and what's really beautiful about this story is that this story of of Barabbas is probably one of the most accurate representations of what it's like when we don't know Jesus in our lives and uh, the impact that he has on us when he says, "I have chosen you to be saved through my sacrifice. And what even compounds that is when we go to John and we look at Pilate's interaction with Jesus uh, leading up to this time, you know Pilate is is asking him about like, so are you the king of the Jews? Like are, why should it you know, why should this happen to you? all these things? And then he makes a point and says, I have the authority to do these things. And Jesus' only remark is to say, no, you don't, because the only reason you have authority is because it has been given to you from above. Mm. So as to say that this whole thing, this whole moment is only because this is the way that God, my father, Jesus, my father has deemed it so. Mm. And this moment that we see one of the most In in that moment, one of the most probably fallen people, one of the most vile, uh, by society standards, most vile people out there. um, Again, probably just knows his day is coming where he's going to be up on that cross, knows the day is coming where he will lose his life for his actions. The cuffs are taken off, and he says, You're free to go because this other man took what was supposed to be for you. Mm -hmm. It is the most, arguably, the most uh, um, accurate. Portrayal of what it's like when Jesus works in our own lives and frees us from sin. Mm.
1: I think the next part after that, when when the people yell back, we will take responsibility for His death. So, like when when Jesus Christ is is essentially chosen to uh, to go through the with the penalty, and Barabbas is set free. You know the people, a lot of the. A lot of these people Jewish leaders, correct, yeah, we will take responsibility for his death, and then they go further, and you alluded to this in your in your sermon, we and our children, wow, wow. like
0: crazy it's one thing that. it's one thing to put the guilt upon me, I'll take responsibility, I'll take it it's on me, but if I say, you know what, in Corbin and Brennan, they're also going to bear the responsibility of this, yeah. and they may. Be like, hang on a second, dad, what are you doing here? Why? Right. Yeah, that that's quite a line. That's quite a statement. So these people were persistent, and they continued to press, and ultimately, Pilate yields. Hey, I, I think Pilate couldn't face another riot. I don't think Pilate could face an uprising. I mean, the town was um, very full of people who had traveled for Passover for this season, yeah. and and— I just think the chaos that would ensue because you even go back in time when you look at the beginning back in, I think it's Matthew 26. And these religious leaders were plotting to kill Jesus, but they knew they didn't want to do it in this season because of the riots that might ensue. So they know this pressure. Pilate has to feel this pressure Mm. as well. And so he allows them to take the responsibility and allows Barabbas to go free. I wish... Uh, there, you know, there's a lot of stories that I'd like to ask when I get to heaven. Like, hey, tell me the rest of the story. Uh, I want to know what Barabbas went on to do. I want to know the rest of his yeah. time. I want to yeah. understand. I want to understand what did he do when he walked out of that arena right there. Yeah. What, what did he understand the gift that was given him? Did he understand the grace? Did he ultimately look up at the cross and say that should have been me? Yeah. Did he just continue on in his path? He, I, I, these are things I want to know. I want to know the I want to know the rest of the story, y'all, right. but we don't. We just get this glimpse. Right. Yeah, and so now we see Jesus moving on. So Pilate releases him, washes his hands of the situation, and Jesus is led away to be flogged with a lead-tip whip. You know, you guys were talking about movies earlier, and uh, you've seen The Passion of the Christ, I assume. This is the scene in The Passion of the Christ that's the hardest for me to watch. Mm -hmm. I try annually to watch it. I haven't watched it yet this year. I try annually to watch it, and I never look forward to it. i I never look forward to this movie but i try to do it just to remind me and i i want to look away i don't want to see it but then i i continually watch it and i try to lean in and watch it really close because i want to be able to to get in my mind this was for me this happened for me yeah Mm -hmm.
1: you know the uh, sidewalk prophets have a song titled you love me anyway i don't know if you guys have heard it um, but a number of years ago, I was uh, helping lead worship for a 4th of July event, and I remember this was the song that we, we chose to focus on. And one of the the bridge, sorry, the bridge in the song, uh, says this, and it, it's a beautiful depiction of, of this moment in Scripture, and it says, I am the thorn in your crown, but you love me anyway. I am the sweat from your brow, but you love me anyway. I am the nail in your wrist, but you love me anyway. I am Judas's kiss, but you love me anyway. I am the man who yelled out from the crowd for your blood to be spilled on this earth-shaking ground. Yes, then I turned away with a smile on my face, with this sin in my heart, I tried to bury your grace. And then alone in the night, I still call out for you so so ashamed of my life. You love me anyway and man does that not paint a picture a of picture. of what jesus did it wasn't it wasn't just for it, it was for all time it was for all time and 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 it acknowledges that that those lyrics that poetry acknowledges that our sin is everything that jesus went through it is, is some in that moment is symbolic of our day-to-day sin. We are choosing to do this, but we but we cry out to him still and ask for forgiveness, and he loves us anyway. I just think, you know, reading that scripture and then along with these lyrics, um, they kind of paint this beautiful picture, and he does. He loves us anyway.
0: It's a powerful reminder. It's a personal reminder, isn't it? Yeah. That's just yeah, not absolutely. this. It wasn't just corporate world. It's not just everybody. It's not all inclu- it's, it's me right, individually as well. Yeah. I think it's interesting. The soldiers, then they, they do their job. They whip him, they beat him, they mock him. Uh, to me, it's always been intriguing that they put a crown of thorns on his head. Mm-hmm. And I think this, again, you, you enjoyed brand. You enjoy literature. Yeah. You enjoy reading and you understand how things are written to me. Uh, I think you can skim through this section of scripture and you can miss some of the weight that's there. That's significant still to me, the crown of thorns. Uh, and I think we, we go, yeah, and we know that. But if you go back into the garden of Eden story and you realize that when sin entered the garden, um, God, you know, remove them from the garden. But he said, your labor is going to toil. It's Mm going to be hard. It's going to be, you're going to work the land. Uh, It's going to produce grain. You are going to eat the grain, but it's also going to produce thorns and thistles. And this is what is now uh, a result of the sin that had happened. And I just love the picture. Jesus is getting ready to redeem the world uh, from the curse, which goes all the way back to the garden. And it's the very very thing that now is a product of the garden Uh, the sin in the garden is the the thorns and here's jesus wearing that now on his head
1: and and the symbolism of him putting it on top of him and he's going to bear it yeah the these are things that you know this is the mystery of god right these are the reasons why the bible is always fresh and anew because you can reread things over and over and over again and catch these literary elements um, these details and every specific thing that Jesus did points back to literally the beginning in the Old Testament um, leading up to it, the foreshadowing, uh, you know, then you, then you throw in the prophets and it's just like, Holy smokes.
0: Yeah. All the prophecies that have been fulfilled mm-hmm. already yeah. that point to Jesus.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So let's, let's, let's press forward here. So uh, Jesus is, is, walks the Via Della Rosa, the way of suffering, he carries his cross, he's taken out, he's nailed to the cross, uh, there's a sign that's hung above his head, people walking by, they're still mocking him, the religious leaders are still mocking him, even the guys on the cross are mocking him. It's just one of those things where uh, there's the emotional stress, there's the physical pain, obviously, there's the psychological um, distress that's going on, and Jesus uh, dies on the cross. But there's, I like how Matthew talks about it. At that moment, there were some really significant things that happened. One was the curtain in the temple was torn in two. Guys, a 60-foot curtain, that's a massive curtain, six stories tall, three inches thick. And the curtain is torn from the top down as though to say, now there's been atonement for the sin. You don't have to keep sending the priest in and sprinkling blood on the mercy seat once a year. Uh, Now, this is available to you. Jesus paid this price with that atoning sacrifice, that blood sacrifice that had taken place. But I think the others are significant, the things that happened as well. Uh, We understand that the the soldiers ultimately go, wow, this really was the son of God. I mean, they came to that recognition. But to me, the one that is easy to forget is the fact that at that moment, the earth shook, the rocks split apart, and the tombs opened. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Y'all, if you had any question that something is happening, right, not only if the curtain was torn in two, but now you're starting to see bodies of godly men and women coming out of the graves. Mm -hmm. That would get my attention. Yeah. Would it not? Oh,
1: absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah on sunday when you said i forget what name you use jim maybe <laughs> jim. hi jim uh i mm. thought you were dead <laughs> yeah you know that made me giggle um yeah man that's you know the curtain you know going back to the curtain the veil whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it 60 feet three inches tall that if that thing falls on you you're dead you know like the significant weight that that is let alone the thickness like I just can't get over that. And that, that's something, you know, you informed me about on Sunday. I had never really thought about the thickness of it. Um, and i i I would, you know, reckon to say that most people didn't even know what it was, what its purpose was for. And you talked about the different rooms in the temple. Can you Elaborate on that a little bit, too.
0: Yeah, so there's two different uh, sections of the temple. Really, you had a place where the Holy of Holies people could go. There's the most high place where, um, yeah, I said that wrong. Um, There's the place where God dwelt, the Holy of Holies there. And so they could only enter into that area one time a year, and that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. That's where um, they said the Lord dwelt outside of that area was where they could still do religious ceremonies and such. but it was a distinct area that could be different. you know I was talking about how the, the priests would wear all these royal robes and all this regalia and everything. but at that season it was really interesting to me that they would take that off. They wouldn't go in there saying, this is I am important. They would mm-hmm. strip it off. They would just wear a plain linen garb, and they would tie a rope around them and go into this place with, with the hopes that they come out alive, right? This would be something they were, they were preparing themselves for. But the fact that now that, that that veil has torn and that that is open— right. That alone had to bring fear to people. <laughs> I, I think I said that suddenly because it just kind of popped in my head. Oh no, God's out, yeah. God's on yeah. the loose, right? right? As though He wasn't already. But but now that that thought process of we can only go in there once. Now it's open. Like what is this going to mean for us? Right. Yeah. It's like
1: in that moment, even even though the relationship was personal before, now it's you know, this is this is on you. These sacrifices are, you know, it 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 has been paid for now. This is the ultimate sacrifice. The, the, the lamb that was perfect, the perfect lamb, has been slain, and, and there's no need for this anymore. You can, you can enter the holy of holies whenever you would like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So as we uh, start to wind this thing down, I guess as you guys look back over this Easter story, and you think through Gethsemane and the weight and the, the, the betrayal of Judas and um, how Jesus even says at the Last Supper, this is the cup, this is the body. Do these things in remembrance of me. Goes on through the trials, Barabbas set free, all the mocking, all the beating, and the cross. Uh, my challenge is this. We want to get to Easter. How do we keep in our minds the The story that leads up to Easter, how do you guys do it? How are you reminded uh regularly of the price that was paid for us and to not take it for granted because I think we live in a world that takes it for granted.
1: Mm. yeah we we it's just reflecting daily, you know you have on in your notes you have may we never forget the cause of Jesus' suffering, and then a couple of things that you wrote in there, Everyone in this world is deserving of hell. When I enter each day and I wake up and I thank the Lord for another day, that's something I need to reflect on and remember. I, I am deserving of hell, you know, and, you, and Jesus paid this price for me. And again, it gets cliche, it gets routine that year after year we say these things around this time of year. But if I wake up on a daily basis and I'm reminded of the things I deserve versus the things that I'm, I am getting in Christ, um, it
2: it gives you a different lens to walk through your day. One of the things that we we didn't really touch on yet, but um, the the last point after, you know, you talked about um, both uh, the the curtain being torn and resurrection happening, but also the confession of the soldiers who experienced the entire experience. Um, There's multiple times throughout the Bible where the people of God fail to recognize the work of God until people who are not of that faith or are not of that ethnicity, community, whatever it may be, are truly the ones who recognize that power throughout Old and New Testament alike. Mm. And I think one of the things that those kinds of stories always remind me of is to, to, never, um, to never think of myself so highly that I can always just know God Without truly remembering my humanness mm. in front of His glory, That's good. Um, just to always walk in in humility and kind of as Brandt had said, just to remember that I'm a Barabbas. I am destined for death without Him, and I mean to think of Him. And you know, we like you said, we'll, we're never going to know His experience, Barabbas's experience after um, after being freed, but just to think of that moment, to think, what if he did watch Jesus on the cross? How would that have affected him throughout his entire life after that point to be able to go and say, that's the guy, that's the moment that I was freed, and to never forget that. It's always a challenge. It's a person who took my place. Yes.
1: It's the only cliffhanger in -hmm. this story, right? Because the rest is is spelled out pretty good. Yeah.
0: So I'm in a group uh, on Wednesday nights, a small group, and we've been reading Crazy Love by Francis Chan. And the challenge of that very first chapter is this thought of prayer. I think for us, we kind of flippantly uh, uh, live in this relationship with Jesus as my best friend. Right, and and we miss the sacredness of it, and sometimes I think we we just say, okay, Jesus, here's here's some things I'm going to need uh, for you to help me accomplish. Uh, these are the things I want. These are the things I just going to need you to handle, uh, and we treat it like a transactional God, and to me. Uh, as Francis Chan kind of paints this picture, I think it's important that we should just sit in the presence of God and think about what he has done, the holiness of who he is, the fact that, as Tyler, as I think you said very well, um, that's us. He took our place. Uh, He did that for me and uh, to revere the Lord, and to, to, to practice that. We want to thank you for joining us in, in this conversation today as we've built our way up to Easter. Uh, to the listener, we we continue to to be here to serve you. We're here to help. We're here to pray for you. We're here to help you on your spiritual journey. And my prayer for you is that you take time. Take time as, you, as this podcast will release, and it'll be uh, ready for you before Easter Sunday. I just encourage you, Good Friday, take time to really think about what Jesus did for each of us the sin that we deserve the punishment for that he took in our place and just honor god honor revere him and respect the sacrifice that was made on our behalf looking forward to being back again next week in the meantime we wish you all the grace and peace that the lord has for your life Home the podcast is produced by the Wakarusa Missionary Church in Wakarusa, Indiana. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a rating and share this episode. Additional resources related to each episode can be found by visiting wakiemc.org and clicking on the App home tab. Thanks for listening.